Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, where we believe that no matter what you've gone through in life, God is inviting you to partner with Him to take back your story. On this podcast, we have inspiring conversations with people who are doing just that. And now, your hosts, Davey Blackburn and Aubrey Sampson. Hello, welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. I'm Davey. And I'm Aubrey, and we are your hosts, and we are so excited to have you back for another episode. Today's guest is a fabulous woman, yeah. Amy Ford. She's the co-founder and president of Embrace Grace, which I just learned about Embrace Grace right. as I was listening to your conversation with her. And yeah, me too. this is some powerful ministry this woman is doing. It's a nonprofit that inspires and equips the church to love on single and pregnant young women and their families. Yeah. She's also the author of Help Her Be Brave and other books. She speaks nationally. She is absolutely incredible. I'm so excited for our listeners, for you, Nothing Is Wasted, to get to hear from Amy. Yeah, you're going to glean a ton from this conversation. And we, um, Amy and I are actually setting up some time to chat because their organization is like one of those that's, you know, a few steps ahead of Nothing Is Wasted. And they're doing some unbelievable Mm. things. And they're, you know, I'm like, I just want to learn from this woman on how she's making such a tremendous impact in the kingdom of God all over the the world in this specific niche and so whether you kind of identify in that niche of the you know the the space that she's ministering in or not you're going to glean a ton from this and if you do if this ministers to you in any way would you do us a favor go and rate and review the podcast on apple podcasts this helps us tremendously and really what it does is it helps more people gain access to these life transformational conversations and so we would love for you to go and do that we get in encouraged and stirred up every time we hear your story on those mm-hmm. reviews. And right. so please go and do that. Um, also, you can stick around afterwards. Aubrey and I, we're going to talk a little bit about this conversation and uh, dissect it a little bit, tell you some things that God's teaching us and uh, take some little rabbit trails, I guess, that we don't get to take in the actual interview. And so you want to stick around and listen to that after this interview. Amy, it's wonderful to have you on the Nothing is Wasted podcast. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Hey, I would love for you to begin uh, telling our listeners about you right now, where you live, a little bit about your family. Um, You've got an incredible story, and I can't wait for them to hear this, but why don't you just kind of give us uh, present day context for Amy Ford. Well, I live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and I have four kids, but two of them have flown the nest a little bit. One is married and um, living in Arkansas, and um, he just graduated college, and I have one that's in college at Colorado Christian University. Um, it's her sophomore year, and then I have two still at home. One, and it's just started her freshman year yesterday, and um, one just is started fourth grade. So, and I run um, a nonprofit called Embrace Grace um, here in the Dallas Fort Worth area, and travel a lot. And it's kind of I, I call it an organized circus for sure. It's a little crazy town, but we, we make it happen. (laughs) I bet. And I'll tell you, I would never have guessed that you have four kids, two of which are out of the house right now. That's amazing. Unbelievable. Like what a, what a cool uh, place in life to be. I bet you use every excuse possible to get over to Colorado Christian and see that beautiful scenery. Isn't that in Colorado Springs? Is that where it's located? It's a little closer to Denver. It's Lakewood actually. But yes. So, I mean, every time I go, I I go to the (laughs) Springs too and, and all of that. Yeah, for sure. What, what a great place. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, this nonprofit that you have, you know, what you've done out of your story is you've, as we talk about all the time on the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, you've taken some pain 
that you've walked through and you've turned it around into purpose. And um, we try to help everybody understand who listens to our podcast connected to our ministry that that is um, what that that's the intention that the Lord wants to invite us into. He has a story for each one of us, a redemptive story for no matter what our past is, no matter what our baggage is that we bring into our relationship with him, that he wants to reverse whatever has gone on in our past, um, whether it was something that we have done or something that was done to us. And he wants to turn it around for our good and for his glory. That's what I love about your story. As it came across my desk, I was like, man, we have got to have Amy on the podcast to share this. Um, and so why don't you just take us back and and kind of start wherever you want to start and begin to just dialogue with me about um, what, what, what was the impetus, impetus behind all of this? Well, I grew up in a Christian home, had an amazing family, but I didn't really have a relationship with the Lord. And I found myself with an unexpected pregnancy when I was 19. And um, even though I even went to a Christian private school, I knew abortion was wrong. I was terrified. Mm. I was scared of what my parents were going to say. I was, I thought my life was over. The father of the baby felt the same way. We both just felt like our lives, you know, the enemy lies to you and tells you like the worst case scenarios of what could possibly happen. And so because of that, we had decided, well, let's just have an abortion. We'll deal with the consequences of a broken heart later. Um, And so we went, we paid for it. We went to the abortion clinic. And when I went in to have the procedure done, the nurse, I ended up um, just passing out all of the emotions and everything that I had kind of stuffed down to try to just get through that moment. They basically erupted in that room and I had a panic attack, anxiety attack, fainted. Um, And when I came to, the nurses were fanning me, trying to give me a drink of water. And they said, you're too emotionally distraught to make this decision today. Mm -hmm. You can come back another day, but today you're not getting an abortion. And so I went back out in the waiting room and my baby daddy, I call him that. He's my husband now, but (laughs) at the time, you know, my baby daddy, um, I was like, we're still pregnant. Mm. And he was like, okay, you know, we just kind of looked at each other like, oh, this is, this is not going to happen. Um, but what is this going to look like? And we just decided, okay, if we're going to be homeless, if all of those terrible things that we had thought Mm. was going to happen, um, we're going to do it together and we'll figure it out. But we were so scared Uh, We told our parents it wasn't as bad as we thought it would be, but they definitely were disappointed in the timing of of everything. And we had been together for uh, quite a while and knew that eventually someday we wanted to get married, but not necessarily in the timing that it ended up happening. But we decided to get married when I was 16 weeks pregnant. And we had asked the man, the pastor that had led my husband to the Lord years before, if he would marry us. And he said, no, I'm sorry, because you've sinned. I oh, cannot man. marry you. And we were just like, oh, my goodness. Like, we are such horrible people. We can't even get married right in the eyes of God. Wow. Like, this is horrible. Um, and we looked up to this pastor so, 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 so much and loved him so much. But we ended up finding someone else that would marry us. And we had such a beautiful wedding. But it definitely felt like the scarlet letter, yeah. you know, this shame that we carried and um, we tried to go back to church, but it was like the elephant in the room. People don't know whether to say congratulations or I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. So they don't say anything and you feel alone in a crowd of people. And so we kind of just stopped going for a while and we really went through a season of loneliness, even though we had each other, it was just really hard. Everyone kind of disconnects. And so, but one thing is really cool is that pastor that wouldn't marry us, he called my husband two years later out of the blue. Mm. 
And again, my husband just adores this guy. And he just, he said, I'm sorry. He said, I, this is, I feel like my worst mistake in pastoring history that I've ever made. Wow. And will you please forgive me? I think about it every single day. And my husband was like, yes, I forgive you. And you're amazing. And, and, um, and so they had kind of like this redemptive restorative moment, but then um, I ended up having a son and it's, his name's Jess. He's the one that just got married. He graduated from Oral Roberts University and has a degree in like theology and getting his master's now. And oh, his wow. wife is at University of Arkansas about to graduate. And they're just amazing. He's led so many kids to the Lord. He has such a passion for life. And even in his own story, you know, I had to tell him this part of my story when he was 13, because I was going to be on James Robinson and focus on the family. And right. my first book was coming out. And and I was so t scared, especially being 13 and a guy, like I was worried he was going to take it as rejection mm -hmm. or, you know, I was like, I was just a dumb kid. I didn't know what I needed or who I needed it, but God did. Like, even though you weren't planned by me, you were planned by God. Yeah. And um, he went through a season of just really like about six months or so of really just one, you know, the enemy lying to him as well. Like maybe you weren't supposed to be here and mm -hmm. just stuff that he knew good and well, that he was so loved, but um, it was just a tender time, but he had a word from God one day and he came in my room and he was like, mom, I was an overcomer before I was ever even born and Satan had to plan to take me out and I'm going to wow. use my story to change the world. Wow. And now he like writes for focus on the family. He, he speaks all over wow. the nation. He's a pro-life speaker. He's just amazing. He's only 22 and Man. he's just like really doing things. It's awesome. And when he was 16, that pastor that wouldn't marry us. He's a pastor in Austin, Texas, and he asked me to come out to his church and do like a pro-love message. And he was very open with his congregation about what he had done years ago. He wow. said he had a religious spirit, a Pharisee heart. Back in the day, this is what I did. He told everyone, his whole congregation. So by the time I got there and I came and I spoke and I did my thing, afterwards he asked me to come back on the platform and he asked my son, Jess, who was 16 at the time, to come back on the platform. And he's like, Amy, years ago, I asked your husband for forgiveness, but I never really asked you, wow. will you forgive me? And I was like, yes, of course, I forgave you like a long time ago. We love you so much and we, you're just amazing. And uh, then he looked at my son, 16, in front of the, old, the whole church. And he said, will you forgive me for planting seeds of rejection in your heart before you were ever even born? Oh my goodness. And while you were in your mother's womb, I rejected you. Will you forgive me? And my son, 16, in front of the whole church says, I forgive you. Wow. And it was such a powerful moment. Wow. Like you could just feel church wounds being lifted in that room. The fact that the pastor would humble himself in that way was so amazing. And just a really healing moment, even for Jess too, you know, with his journey and his story. So all of that really has just fueled my passion for um, really understanding and knowing like what what the power the church has. Like yeah. I went to church my entire life and it never dawned on me when I found out I was pregnant that, you know what, maybe I could go to the church and ask for some help or prayer or wisdom or guidance or mentorship or something like that was the last place mm. I wanted to show up wow. to. Wow. And so that's why we started Embrace Grace and we are, we believe it's a pro-love movement. You know, pro-life is a stance, but pro-love is an action. Wow. And so we want to help make abortion unthinkable because of all the love that the church has to offer. But first we have to get the church in a place where girls actually feel welcome and, and to come to, yeah, yeah. Um, which is what Embrace Grace is. Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, amazing. Just the, 
the restorative experience that you had with this pastor and the fact that he was humble enough to come back to you and to your husband two years later and say, Hey, that's the worst mistake I ever made as a pastor. Um, in some ways I can empathize with him because pastors are faced with those kinds of decisions of trying to figure out, Oh no, because you know, one of the things we talked, we've talked about before on the podcast is that for whatever reason, the church has mistaken approval and acceptance. And what they think a lot of times is that if we accept people who are maybe in a certain camp or have a certain belief or have a certain kind, you know, have done certain things. And that means we're accept, we're approving of their behavior. And so we, we can't get those lines drawn properly. They get all blurred. And so it causes us to make these really weird re- religious self-righteous decisions. And I, I wonder, you know, cause I think that's more prevalent than the, than, than the antithesis of that, unfortunately. Um, you know, if you were, if you were drawing it up, your experience based on what you experienced, you know, back when, when you first got pregnant and you're looking to the church for that kind of direction and guidance, what would it have looked like for you? If you could draw it up in a, in a perfect world coming from your perspective, what would that have, what, what would the church have done to say, Hey, we want to walk alongside of you in this? Oh my goodness. Well, to say, number one, you're not alone and we're in this with you and that, um, that there's forgiveness for you and there's help for you and support. Mm. And really that's everything that I wanted is what we created in Embrace Grace, which is a support groups for women with unexpected pregnancies in the churches. So even to meet other girls going through the same thing and to know that I wasn't the only one, but being in that season, your friends do kind of drift away. Yeah. And so to, to say, oh, here's another girl that maybe is a couple months further along than me, or maybe she had an unplanned pregnancy last year and she did it. She has made it, or even as the leaders, they're like, I did 10 years ago or 15 years ago, and life, you know, happened. You kind of get in that panic moment, tunnel vision, right. and that's all you can see. And and going back to the whole, like, is this condoning sin and, and all of that, like, I just would encourage anyone listening to read, which I know that, that you aren't saying that. I'm just saying that right, is some right. of the that's common, the, that's you know, That's the wrestling thoughts. right there. Yeah, that's what people right. are like, oh, no, I don't, yeah, I might be condoning yeah. something, yeah. But reading the prodigal son and just mm. looking at, you know, the, the, the son went off and spent all his dad's money and he just, he was eating the leftovers of the pigs. And he said, well, if I go back home, then maybe I can eat the leftovers of my dad's servants. That's a little bit better than this. And my favorite part of that whole story is that it says, and while he was a long way off, wow. the father ran to him and he had his servants put a robe on his back and a ring on his finger. And he said, son, you, you were lost and now you're found. And we can be like the other brother that was like, you know, cause the, cause the father was like, let's throw a party. Yeah. Like it was, it wasn't leftovers from yesterday. Yeah. It was the, the kill the fatted calf. Like we're having a giant party. We're going to celebrate that he's home. Whereas the other brother was like, well, that's not fair. You know, I've been serving you all this time and you have not done this for me. Yeah. And he's like, son, everything that you have, you have in me, like everything that you need, I, I provide for you. I have everything that you need in me. So come and let's celebrate that your brother was lost and now mm. he's found. And it doesn't really go on to say whether he did or not, but we can be a part of the celebrating. A lot of the girls in our Embrace Grace group, they are still a long way off, mm. but they've turned. They're yeah. coming to the church. They're turning to their heavenly father. They're asking for help. 
and we get to be a part of the party. We've seen women surrender their lives to Jesus the night of the baby shower wow. because they're so overwhelmed that people would pick out something in their baby's favorite color or their favorite color for the baby or they're and, and they just because it's God's kindness yeah, that leads us to repentance. Mm-hmm. It's his goodness that draws us to his side. It's not our job as a church to fix people. It's our job to love people. Yeah. And it's his love that transforms everything. And so once we really can get past that, it actually makes our job a lot easier, you know, to right. to uh, disciple people. I mean, obviously they have to make their own decisions, but we're planting seeds and um, showing the love of Jesus and letting them have a radical transformation with the Lord. And it's beautiful to see. Sometimes the seeds bloom immediately. Sometimes they're slower than others, yeah. but all it's just love that makes them bloom. Yeah. Hi, Nothing is Wasted family. It's Aubrey Sampson, and I am so thrilled to tell you about my brand new book release, Known, How Believing Who God Says You Are Changes Everything, releasing on September 7th. And I would love to invite you to be a part of this journey with me, to read the book, engage with the book, and share about the book with your friends. So much is tied up in our longing to know who we are, to know our worth, to know whether we're loved, to know what we're meant to do with our lives. But there's a powerful truth that settles every question that we ask about ourselves. Here's the truth. God has named us, and the names that He has spoken over us settle every question and every pain we have experienced in our journey. So Nothing Is Wasted, I would love to invite you to go to nothingiswasted.com slash known to find out more and to buy the book today. Can you take us back a little bit to, you know, the, the initials, as soon as you guys decided, Hey, we're, we're going to keep this baby. And yet we're experiencing kind of this stonewalling or, you know, ostracizing from our friends because they don't know what to say our church, because they don't know how to handle this. And, you know, as you already stated, it felt very isolating. Can you take us back and unpack that a little bit more? How did you guys walk through that? And, and how did you not absorb all of that hurt or did you, and how did you kind of sort through the, the, the hurt to still see through, you know, the church hurt and see Jesus? Well, definitely when I look back, I, I mean, I hear horror stories all the time, speaking and sharing my story all over the nation. I mean, people come up to me and tell me the most terrible, you know, stories where they make them stand up at front of the church and you know, confess their sins and why not that the pastor ate too much at the buffet, you know, who knows, but there's just a lot of hurt, you know, that goes along with it. But with my story, there were, it was more of like the isolation and looking back, I know a lot of it was my own shame, you know, shame Mm -hmm. isolates when that's the the opposite of shame. I remember that, that, or the shame, the way you, you try to work through shame is like the, the sinful part of it is trying to isolate, disconnect because you have so much shame. So it w- it was kind of twofold. You know, there wasn't anyone reaching out to say, hey, you okay? Yeah. You know, I heard you're going through this and I'm sure it's really hard and I'm here if you want to talk. Yeah. So I didn't really have that. But then I also had this own shame that I was struggling with really, really bad. So when you put those two together, it makes it feel a lot worse than what it is when really it could just be that somebody really does love me, but they feel awkward and they don't really right. know 
you know, what to say or how to reach out. And then it, and then it combined with this, the thing I'm still struggling with myself. So, I mean, I, I really, w- I feel, feel like there probably was people in my life that I could have called and been like, Hey, will you help me? And I'm struggling, but because of their own like awkwardness, they didn't really know. And that's another thing is like, we, we want all people to get in the habit of saying congratulations, whether no matter how the yeah. baby got here, because every baby is a blessing and there are life and death and the power of our tongue. Like we have the power to encourage people with life. There was a girl one time that um, had an unplanned pregnancy and she told me, she went through Embrace Grace, but she said that she only had a dad. She never had a mom. Her mom left when she was two weeks old, but her dad was like, you can't keep this baby. You're going to be a horrible mom. You know, you have to have an abortion. And she was terrified, but she, um, she was going into work and she was like, God, I have no one to talk to you. I'm so scared. And my dad is really pushing me to have this abortion, but she worked at a UPS store. So shipping store. And she's like, God, if you're, if you can bring me someone that has a box that has the word church on the label, then maybe I'll know that they're a safe person to talk to. Cause I literally have no one to talk to. Wow. So she goes into work, worker shift and right before closing, here comes a guy with a box and it has the word church on the label. And she was like, oh my gosh, do you work at a church? And he's like, no, <laughs> I don't. I have a company that makes websites for churches. And she's like, wow. oh, okay. And he's like, he could see that she was disappointed. He was like, well, I go to church. And she's (laughs) like, you do? And that was it. She just starts bawling and just letting it all out. I'm pregnant. I'm scared. I don't have anyone to talk to. My dad says I'll be a horrible mom. I don't know what to do. And I know this guy. He's the dad of four boys. And so I know he was like, I don't know what's (laughs) happening right now. I'm just trying to ship my package. And, And so he was like, he let her out, you know, let everything out. And he's like, you know, I feel like our church has something. And maybe let me just get your information. I'll have my wife call you. And he just said some encouraging words to her. And then he left and she got connected to the Embrace Grace group. That group I was leading myself. And I remember um, she was just a couple of girls away from me, but she said something under her breath that forever changed my life. She was telling the girls about the whole UPS story and how she heard about Embrace Grace. But she said, you know, that my dad thinks I'll be a horrible mom, but that guy at the UPS store said he thinks I'll be a good mom. Wow. And she kind of just went on talking after that. And I just was, I couldn't stop thinking about that one sentence. Mm -hmm. That a perfect stranger that she most likely would never see again said something that he probably didn't even think twice about. That he was just like, well, I think you'll be a good mom. And that was literally all she had to hold on to. That was it. That someone in the world believed that she could be a good mom. And she now is an amazing mom. And I think that, you know, anyone going through something like this, just so powerful just to have one person to believe in you. It's not about who you believe in that makes the biggest impact on your life. It's the person that believes in you to know someone out there believes in you, which is what we want to do in Embrace Grace. And we have over 700 support groups in 49 states and 10 countries that have these groups within churches so that these girls can feel like they can can have a place of belonging and a spiritual family to to thrive and um, and to just learn how to even be empowered as a yeah. woman to be a mom, you know, Fem- the world's view of feminism is you can't have your baby like that. You're going to have mm. to have your abortion to be able to parent. But God's view of feminism is you can do this with him like you can have your baby and your dreams, too. Yes, it might be hard. But you don't have to do it alone, and we're going to help you along the way, and there's going to be many miracles along the way, and it's going to be amazing and worth it. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. 
you know, Amy, you, um, I, I, I imagine that, you know, you wrestled early on with those two feelings yourself, you know, the kind of what have I done? And yet, God, what, what will you do out of this? This kind of living in the tension between the, as you said, feeling like you had this scarlet A on you because of what you and your now husband, you know, um, ha- had walked through, but then also um, kind of that now as you see the the fruition of what what your son is doing and the impact he's making, it's like you feel like it's your worst mistake and yet how could you feel like it's your worst mistake? And there's a, it feels like there's a, there's like a both and there kind of walking in the tension of that. And I imagine you have a lot of women that you guys are discipling and that you're helping, helping who are walking in that same tension. How do you help them walk in that tension? You know, what does that look like to really parse that out and help them understand, you know, God's uh, best for them and what God can do to work a redemptive story out of it? Yeah, well, you know, we all know that God turns all things for good for those that love him and that and we just inspire them to fall in love with Jesus because he's going to turn all of this into something beautiful. And I in as far as my own story and then with walking along with thousands of women that have gone through this themselves, I have seen a common pattern that has been really amazing and humbling that Um, sometimes when he wants to woo his daughter back to him and back to his heart, he might just give her a baby to do it. Mm. Like he might just give her the sweetest face that she's ever laid eyes on so that she can maybe get a tiny, teeny, tiny glimpse of how much he must love her. And, um, you know, I hear girls say, you know, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve this to happen to me when they're pregnant they're so upset and angry And then after they have their baby, they're like, I don't deserve this, Mm. this miracle, you know, and he just, he just takes our messes and he turns them into miracles. And it's, we just have to help him see the bigger picture and coming out of that crisis mode of like, I'm only trying to survive today and they can't see past that. We have, we want to help them see the bigger picture because maybe God is weaving something way bigger than you could have ever dreamed um, in your life. And it's awesome as leaders to watch that happen because we already know the end of the story, but we get to see that kind of, you know, the transition of going from to crisis and um, fear and all of that to empowerment and to thankfulness and Mm. gratitude to God for, for his goodness, even in our own messes. Mm. When, when did you begin to see that this was going to be something that you would help other people with? You know, when did it turn around from like, oh no, this is my story and this is what I'm walking through and what I'm dealing with to this. I wonder if I could help other people through the same thing. Well, I, you know, we kind of stopped going to church for a really long time, just kind of the hurts and stuff from yeah. um, everything we walked through. We might would try one or two here and there, and then we missed like three months. And, but one day we found this church that we just really loved that's in the Dallas-Fort Worth area called Gateway. And I um, really just started kind of getting a little bit more plugged in. I signed up for decor to decorate something, which I love <laughs> decorating. That was like the, the, the most of my volunteer thing. But there was a big women's conference that they had, and it was Christine Kane speaking and Carrie Job leading worship. Like it was such a powerful moment, but I had a vision and I've never had a vision before and I've never had a vision since. But it was a vision and it was like snapshots, super vivid, um, 
going through my mind and it was of me, the snapshot started with me being 10 years before having an unplanned pregnancy. And I looked really sad, you know, just I looked alone and I, and sad. And then all of a sudden the snapshots changed to me throwing baby showers. And Mm. I love throwing parties. I, that year (laughs) I had thrown 13 baby showers for my girlfriends. It was like a baby boom with all my friends. And so Um, we, I was like, what was that? You know, it was so real, so vivid. I didn't really understand it. But as I was leaving after that whole service was over, I ran into a group's pastor Mm. at Gateway and I was like, this is really weird. And I told her what happened. And she just said, super simple, threw it out there. She's like, maybe you're supposed to start a small group for girls with unplanned pregnancies and, Mm. and, uh, the baby shower could be the hook to get them in the door. And then she kind of walked off and I was like, (laughs) What? And there was something in, about it that terrified me. And then yeah. there was something about it that also just stirred in me like, oh, that might be amazing. And I never thought like, you know, I'm going to start a pro-life organization. I didn't even know there was a pro-life movement. I had no right. idea. Like I grew up in church my entire life. No one ever told me there was a pro-life movement. I just thought I'm going to start a small group for girls with unplanned pregnancies and help them. Like they mm. need some help. So we started it. Three girls came. One wore a coat in August in Texas because she was terrified of stepping foot into a church and anyone seeing that she was pregnant. They they just had, had their shoulders slumped. They had this hopelessness about them. But, and we kind of just even were like, what do we even teach? There's no such thing as single and pregnant curriculum. You know, we kind of just winged it. And um, I'm really good at cheering people on. So I'm like, you're going to be a great mom. You can do this. (laughs) And sharing the gospel. And it was amazing. All three of them got saved and they just were, had completely changed within 12 weeks of being empowered to be the moms that God created them to be. And so then we did it again. More Three more girls came, then eight, then 14. And wow. it just started growing just there at Gateway Church. And at the same time, Gateway is kind of a mega church. They have mm-hmm. a lot of campuses yep. and that was growing at the time. So we started planning them in those churches. And then other churches started randomly calling us saying, this is really cool. Will you show us how to do it too? And we started writing our own curriculum, still kind of thinking mainly Gateway, but it wasn't until we got to like 20 groups that were outside of Gateway that had randomly called us, we were like, oh, I think mm. we're supposed to help people help people. We're supposed to help the church be the church in this area. This is no one else in the world has anything like this. And we need to help equip all of these churches to be yeah. able to be one of the first places a girl runs to in this situation instead of the last because of shame and guilt. Right. And so a few years later, we we launched the nonprofit and still it just wasn't, it wasn't what we thought we were going to do. We never like set out to start a nonprofit. It just fell in our laps. And then the rest is just like been the most amazing miracles along the way. We always say we have front row seats to miracles. Yeah. The stories that we hear, literally a girl this morning came into our office that apparently went, went to the abortion clinic, paid for it and decided while she was in there that there, God must have a better plan and came straight to our offices. Wow. Like, and she just came in toward and got a love box and we got her plugged into a group. Like, I mean, just every day, there's just such amazing stories of women that are brave and that choose life. And, yeah. and our heart is that the church can be the answer. Like yeah. it's more, you have to be more than a vote. It, it's not just, you have to make abortion unthinkable through love. And that is because we all have strengths, talents, and gifts and resources inside of us Mm. that we can use 
to help with this issue. Like maybe it's, I heard one girl say that um, she was a single mom and she said that she lived in an apartment complex on the second floor and she had a baby carrier and it was really hard for her to figure out how to take the trash out to the dumpster on the bottom floor and like, how do you carry a carrier plus the trash? And she always wrestled with, should I lock the baby in the, in the carrier in the apartment while I just go take it out real quick? Because I physically can't. Right. And so she would put it outside of her door. And one day, just all of a sudden, it started that someone was picking it up. Every single night, someone was picking it up for her. And it was not a service the apartment offered. And she said, you know what? She told me, she said, I think that it, I just always felt like it was Jesus. Jesus took the trash out for me. And I love that, that that was some sort of neighbor that saw her struggle and, and but we're all doing something. That was something that he's like, I can help you with the trash or I can help you get a better job or I can help you with a car or I can help you babysit sometimes or, you know, whatever it might be or nurturing or counseling or growing spiritual roots or preaching and discipling. And there's so all these things that we can do to help actually men and women, baby dads and baby moms to flourish and thrive and help this next generation, you know, rise up and, and we can change the world by just not staying in our bubble and just expecting the world to change. We have to be the change we want to see. Wow. That's great. Now, uh, with these embrace grace groups now, do you guys have like a curriculum that you walk them through or has that been developed? I know at first you're like, we don't have, there's nothing that exists. We don't know what we're doing, which is the great thing about most great ministries. That's how it starts. It's like the Lord stirs, he moves. You just walk in step and go, I'm here. I'm available. God send me, you know, the old, the old adage, he's not looking for ability, but availability. That's why I love hearing stories like this, but I'm sure you guys have kind of evolved since then. And you've started to put kind of a pathway together. Um, and if so, what, what are some of the tenets of that pathway? What do you try to help these girls really grab hold of? Yeah, for sure. I still, even to this day, we have 20 on staff here at the national office and we're equipping over 7,000 leaders and, um, it's, I'm still like Google and God, how do I run a nonprofit? You know, like (laughs) just one step at a time, but somehow it's happening. Um, But yes, we started developing our own curriculum and it's so powerful. It's all about identity, value, and worth. As we started working with these moms, they just really have a lot of um, issues with their self. Like they don't have a love for themselves. They don't um, think that they have value. They stay with these guys that are playing video games and smoking weed all day and not really treating them as if they should, but because they don't feel like they deserve any better. And so our, we just want them to know how how loved they are by God, how God created them for an amazing purpose. And so it's all just about their identity and they get the baby shower. They have something else at the end of the semester called a princess day where we crown them and we give them a blessing and just tell them like, they're just, it's all, when, when someone really truly, not just in their head, but really in their heart knows how much they are loved, mm-hmm. It changes everything. Yeah. It, it All the things you shouldn't be doing becomes things you don't want to do anymore right. because you fall in love with Jesus. And so we're trying to create an atmosphere where they can fall in love with Jesus. Right. And so um, that curriculum is all around that. And it's got powerful stories and curriculum. We have digital curriculum. So anyone that leads a group, they can just press play. Mm. And that gives you um, a lot less time of uh, you know trying to prepare for a class. You just press play. And now you just get to spend your time loving on yeah. them and helping them. And we have have um, Embrace Life, which is for young single moms, and we have Embrace Legacy for young single dads. So we just launched that this last couple of months ago, and it's really cool to see now some of these young dads that are coming, mm. 
and wanting to be discipled and mentored and empowered as fathers, yeah. it's beautiful to see um, uh, all of it happen. But yeah, God just started showing us and putting the puzzle pieces together of what this curriculum looks like and what they need to hear and what they need to see. But it's definitely story driven of Embrace Grace girls that have walked through this before, had similar circumstances. Um, and then what, how God pulled them through. And it's about forgiveness. It's definitely freedom ministry. Yeah. It's inner healing and trauma. Yeah. A lot of these moms have gone through trauma. Right. It's not just a little sugar, you know, Bible class. It's like, let's get to the root. Yeah. The, the issue isn't that you're pregnant. There is something going on in your heart and we want to help you heal. Right. And we want to introduce you to a healer yeah. that um, wants to love on you. And so it's, it's very powerful teaching that sometimes is even hard for the moms to walk through and right. open up, but by the end they are completely changed and it's, it's beautiful. It's awesome. The Pain to Purpose devotional released on July 22nd. And since then we have been blown away with the response and orders from you, our Nothing is Wasted community. It has been such a humbling experience to see people get their hands on the devotional and to hear how God is using this devotional to meet people in their pain. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all your support, prayers, and responses to this passion project that I have put my heart and soul into. Now, if you haven't already ordered the devotional, we still have more copies available for you or someone else that is wanting encouragement to get through a valley. Over this 42-day journey, we believe that God can and will meet you in your pain. To start the journey and order your copy of the Pain to Purpose devotional, head over to paintopurposedevo.com and use the code podcast to receive 20% off the purchase of the devotional. Again, that's paintopurposedevo.com. Make sure you use the code podcast for 20% off. You know, as you're, as you're watching moms walk through this, what do you see as some of the biggest sticking points? You know, if there's someone listening to this right now and they want, they want to find that path of healing, they want to find that path of, you know, they, they, they say, Amy, I hear you. I, I, I want to be standing where you are one day where I'm seeing God's redemptive story and all this. But right now I'm six months pregnant and I just can't see it. I don't know how this is going to turn around for me. Um, you know, and, 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 and as you begin to explore this with other girls, what do you see their biggest objections or sticking points are within that process that you could help them overcome? Well, the top five reasons why girls get abortions are, it's always something that has to do with fear. It's like fear of being alone, fear of my, fear of my parents getting mad, fear of financial reasons, fear of my education being, um, being interrupted. So if they're six months pregnant, that might still be something that they are having a hard time seeing the bigger picture of. And so we just want to um, encourage, we can encourage all of our moms, you know, to really seek the Lord because there are so many um, resources and he does miracles for sure. But there's also just great resources in the community, connecting to a pregnancy center in your community. They know of things, if it's education, they know of great childcare um, resources that are out there. If it is that your fear of being alone, join an Embrace Grace group, you will never be alone again. And with the Lord, you're never alone. And the church wants to walk alongside you your whole life, not 
just through Embrace Grace, but through your whole life and being a part of a spiritual family. And also, I just want to talk to anyone out there maybe that is experiencing abortion and maybe mm-hmm. that that is something that they're struggling with, you know, that I can't see the good and I can't see past what I did and you're struggling with um, unforgiveness or shame or guilt. Um, I remember one time I spoke at this uh, big women's conference and it was an arena of 10,000 women. And um, in the arena, I, I was being interviewed and they were like, you know, tell me about Embrace Grace, all this stuff. And I always say women that choose life are brave and blah, blah, blah. Well, at the end, they were like, thank you so much for, you know, coming. And I just felt in my spirit to say one more thing. I was like, oh, hang on. Let me say one more thing. I said, there's 2,500 women in this arena and that, I'm sorry, there's 10,000 women in this arena and that means 2,500 of you at least have had an abortion. Wow. Because the abortion rate is exactly the same inside the church as it is outside. Mm-hmm. So that means you're sitting here and I just want you to say that God loves you and wow. he sees you and he wants to heal your heart. Even this weekend, start the process. And Revelation 12, 11 says, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And so share it with someone, even if it's just with one person and get involved in the movement, be the change that you want to see in the world. And it was like three, four sentences. That was it. Thank you so much for coming. Bye, Amy. Well, after that, we had a booth. Um, We had two booths at this big arena because it was so big. And after that session, we were completely inundated Mm. with people. Wow. Girl, some women wouldn't even talk or make, you know, they had, you could just see the mascara under their eyes and you just knew, you know, you knew. And, but I remember specifically there were three women and they all had matching t-shirts and they were sisters and it was like a fun weekend. They were going to do this women's conference weekend thing. And they had these t-shirts made, but the girl in the Mm. middle, she could, she was bawling. Mm. And the two sisters on the outside, they were holding her up and they said, you know, she wanted to talk to you. She was very touched by what you said. And they asked us to bring, asked her, she asked us to bring you, her, bring her to us. And, um, and I just waited for her to just com- like get her composure together. Yeah. And she said, she looked at me and I will never forget. She said, you mean to tell me that God can use me? Wow. And like her face, like I will never forget. It was like it had never dawned on her that God could use her because she felt so much shame because of her abortion. And to think about if the abortion rate is exactly the same inside the church as it is outside. And that means that, you know, 25 to 50% of the men and women in our pews have experienced an abortion. So many of them feel the same exact way. They feel like I'm excluded from forgiveness or I've done the sin that can never be forgiven. And it, God is so amazing. There is, he can bring beautiful things out of, out of deep pain like this, the trauma, you know, people suffering with PTSD from their abortions, like God wants to heal your heart and he wants to, um, help you through this. And I love, I can see so many women and men, um, being involved in the pro-life movement, women leading embrace grace groups, because it is healing to share our story. Just like the scripture I referenced, it is healing to, to be the person you wish you had years ago when you made that decision to be that for someone else is it just is you know healing isn't like hey i flipped a switch and i'm healed today and i'm sure with all of the guests you have on your show that is obviously very evident you know it's it comes in waves it comes in grief grief comes in all different ways but um there's something amazing about helping others and and to um 
to have some kind of redemption that comes from our stories to say, you know, this is what I did and this is what I chose. And let me help you not make the same decision that I did, mm, you know, and, yeah. and to be that for someone else is beautiful. And it's awesome to see all of these right. people that want to see, be the change, you know, that they want to see in the world. Right. Right. Yeah. I have to imagine it's probably really difficult for people to, for you to inspire or encourage people in the church to come forward and, you know, to, admit or confess like, yes, I, I've had an abortion or I'm, you know, considering this because of just the culture and the ethos of the way the church has handled those things in the past. You know, I shared a little bit of my story with you before getting on air, but my wife now, um, she has shared her story on the podcast and she was pregnant with, um, with our daughter out of, out of wedlock. Um, and in her previous marriage, she ended up similar to your story, getting, getting married, you know, to kind of like remedy that, uh, at least she thought, and then ended in a, you know, really painful divorce. But she told me, and it opened my eyes, Amy, she said, there were so many of my Christian friends, you know, she was involved in a Christian ministry in college, and so many of my Christian friends in the church who got pregnant out of wedlock, but for fear of that scarlet A, had an abortion, and then just hit it. Never told anybody about it, but have carried so much shame, you know, and on one hand, she was saying, you know, I, the, uh, thank God I, I made a really difficult decision just that I'm going to face the fact that I'm going to walk into church and check my daughter in as a single mom uh, into the kids ministry and just, I'm going to wear it and that's what's going to happen. But that was so frightening for her to do. And she said this with such empathy that day to me toward all of her friends who had, had confessed to her that, but would never confess to anybody else. And it just opened my eyes. You know, I'm, a pastor and I'm going, wait a minute, what? I had no idea, you know? And so to, to your point that I wonder sometimes, even if the abortion rate isn't, um, the same, I wonder if sometimes even in the church, it's, it might be even a little bit more just because of the way that we've handled it historically. For sure. And then even on the other side of that, to not offer healing. Right. And, and and I love that you have resources available on your site for abortion healing because it's so important. I feel like that abortion healing is the key to revival in yeah. our churches. Like if we can help set these people free, free people, free people. That's right. And it's contagious. And so if that high of a statistic of people have experienced an abortion and they're sitting in our pews feeling like they're disqualified from doing anything, anything yeah. for the Lord, what could happen right. if they got that healing? I mean, it would change the dynamic of our churches. It would be mm -hmm. huge. Um, I know one time there was, I oh, every time I speak, there always is someone after the fact that comes and talks to me and they'll lean in really close and they'll whisper in my ear mm. and they'll say, you know, I've had an abortion in my past but I've been healed. And I'm like, girl, why are you whispering <laughs> it then? Shout you know, go. Yeah. And so I, we're just constantly like, please go find these resources that are out there. It sounds like you have great ones. Also support after abortion.com mm -hmm. has amazing resources out there or get you connected to abortion healing support groups. Yeah. Or um, if you'd rather do a retreat or if you'd rather do it just alone on your computer or whatever it is right. that you feel comfortable with, there's great resources there too. Like it's just start that healing 
journey because it's so important to not let it fester and into something else. I was talking, we have therapists here at our offices and one was telling me the other day that, you know, sometimes usually someone, a man or a woman will come in and they will start with whatever issue that they're struggling with right in that moment. Mm -hmm. And then she'll say, okay, let's back it up. Like what kind of led to this? And they'll start kind of telling their whole story, their Mm -hmm. testimony or whatever. And she said, every single time as me as a therapist, if if at one point in the in the story they say abortion, mm. I've, I had an abortion, you know, when I was 19 or I was 20 or 21, and now I'm 28 and have this marriage problems or whatever. She said that is where we start. Wow. The abortion is where we start because so much trauma, whether we know it or not, happens in that moment yeah, in wow. our hearts and our spirits and our souls that we it, we and then we try to just stuff it down yeah. and you know we'll just have to get through it and we might remember on the birthday or the anniversary or whatever and then it just getting gets worse and worse and worse every year right. when we can just go back to that root and allow God to come into those painful places of yeah. our heart and start the healing process even if it's so hard even these abortion healing classes I hear from all these women and men that have experienced an abortion they're like that was the hardest thing that I've ever done in my entire yeah. life but boy was it so worth it yeah. and so doing that hard thing going to those hard places feeling those hard feelings and then um, asking for forgiveness and allowing God to heal you is huge it will change your entire right. life right that's huge well Amy the most recent book that you've released is called help her be brave can you tell us a little bit about this book what what should the reader expect as they're opening this thing up Oh my gosh, I love, I know this is crazy, but it, I'm just so excited about this book because number one, it has so many stories in it, but number two, it has over 300 ideas of how you can get involved in the movement. Like wow. I said earlier on the show, I went to church my entire life. No one ever told me there was a pro-life movement. When my first book came out, um, I was asked to speak at this pro-life conference. I had never heard of the ministry, never heard wow. of any of these people, but I was, they're like, we'll give you a free booth for Embrace Grace if you'll come speak. I was like, sure. <laughs> showed up and I was in shock. Hundreds of thousands of ministries and vendors that were there that were all boots on the ground helping serve women and men. Like whether it's their education or their um, practical financial tips. Um, Maybe it's um, nurturing or counseling or food. I mean, just so many different things. And I'm like, how did I not know this existed? I went straight to the abortion clinic. No one ever told me there was a pro-life movement, that there were people that wanted to help me. And so, um, and I went to church my entire life and that just really frustrated me. So I'm like, how many other people think the same thing and that don't know? So I wrote the book because I wanted it to be a practical resource of um, people in the church to know where to get involved. And, you know, if I know even my husband, he's like, I'm a guy, what do I do? Well, what are you good at? He's amazing at budgeting. He's amazing at financials. You know, he owns an insurance agency. So anytime I have a mom that needs some like um, support or wisdom on how to balance checkbook or what do they do for their future? You know, how do they save for a car or whatever? He's on it. Like Mm. he will sit down and he loves it. It's so, it's fun for him. And so just, we all each have our unique thing that we can do, whether it's money, time, resources, where we all can make abortion unthinkable. We can't just vote a certain way. We have to be the change we want to see. Pro-life is a stance. Pro-love is an action. And and it's love that's going to change this thing and turn this thing around um, and, and change the world. Wow. Wow. Well, Amy, I love your story. I love what you're doing out of it. 
and uh, all the many, many, I mean, thousands of women and men that you're helping through this movement. It's amazing. Thank you so much for spending time with us. How can we connect with you and what you're doing further? Well, for sure, EmbraceGrace.com. It has all the information of how you can start a group. Um, also, and you can also buy the book there and Amazon as well. And then AmyFord.com um, is a great resource too. Awesome. Awesome. Amy, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing with us and um, for doing what you're doing. You're making a huge difference in the world and in the kingdom. I love it. Thank you for having me. Well, Aubrey, I thoroughly enjoyed that conversation with Amy. I mean, again, oh, same. learned and gleaned so much from that. Listeners, I hope that you did as well. Um, and I think what really, you know, one of the things I really pulled from that, especially as a pastor and, you know, knowing, looking back in retrospect in different situations that I've handled properly and other situations I've handled poorly, I was so mm-hmm. ministered to by um, the whole storyline of her pastor that originally kind of said, hey, we're yeah. not going to you know, be able to marry you guys and then came back and apologized for that yeah, and that asked for forgiveness saying that was one of the greatest mistakes that he'd ever made in ministry. That mm-hmm. one took a lot of humility, a lot of vulnerability uh, mm-hmm. to come back and say that. And I just, I know that that was profoundly, not just profoundly impactful for Amy and for her husband, but also, I mean, as I'm listening to this and hopefully you guys as listeners, you're listening to this going, wow, that kind of humility has a ripple effect Absolutely. That impacts all of us that hears hears that kind of a story. It made me think about, you know, all, and we don't need to go into this, but all of the pastors were sort of hearing now about their secret lives or yeah. their their power issues or what have you. Yeah. What a game changer it would be if those pastors, because we're all sinful, right? Right. What a game changer it would be if those pastors would publicly acknowledge their sin, the damage that it may have yeah. caused, and yeah. humbly ask for forgiveness publicly and before the people that they really hurt. Right. I just think it's so much like Jesus. And I, I I was also really, really touched by it. I was convicted by it too. Some, mm. you know, not even as a pastor, somewhat as a pastor, but also just in my own life, where are people that I've hurt, my husband, my kids? Yeah. And have I stopped to humble myself before them and ask for forgiveness? Yeah. Um, because one of the things that I also felt like came up in this conversation was how our sin can impact future generations. Right. And for instance, this pastor like sowed a seed of rejection in her son's life. Yeah. Yeah. And that was unknowingly, of course, the right. pastor right. didn't mean to do that, but is the reality of our sin. It doesn't just impact us, it impacts next generations. Mm-hmm. And I love that even that moment of forgiveness and redemption then changed the trajectory of Amy's son's mm-hmm. life, and I'm sure future sons, right, daughters right. going forward, yeah. just powerful and, stuff. And how next level that was that he went and acknowledged that to her son, right? Like, yeah, that this right, was, right. you know, I, I'm like, wow, that, and that's where I think like, you know, that challenged me and it should challenge all of us to have those spaces of quiet and reflection where we ask the Lord, hey, can you search my heart and can you tell me where mm. maybe, you know, the whole, the David's prayer, right? Um, yep. Search my heart, know me, see if there's any error in me. I think a lot of times we think about, is there any error going on inside of me and my own integrity, what's going on behind the scenes? But mm-hmm. I think that it can also, that should also extend to, it, have I wronged anybody? And I don't That's even good, know it, Davey. you yeah. know, unwittingly, yeah. have I wronged somebody? Would you bring that to my attention? Would you help me feel conviction for that? I mean, I don't know about you, but like my, I'm so busy and I'm going, you know, I got a, a hundred billion things on my mind and, and th- for, to stop and do that, like that, 
that's, that takes a lot, but I think that that right there can have a profound impact in our relationships around us, um, to be able to stop and just, just ask for forgiveness and ask for God to reveal those things in our own heart. And then I think too, I mean, even just hearing you say that, I'm like, oh, it takes so much courage and so much vulnerability (laughs) then to go to, you know, to go to the person and say, wow, the Lord brought this thing to mind or wow, I think I may have heard you, it hurt you in this way. Will you forgive me? I mean, some of us, I think, just would avoid that because of the pain that it would cause. But the reality is nothing is wasted. And so even to own the pain you may have caused, what a healing thing that could be in the life of uh, other people and yourself as well. Well, think about, you know, Matthew 5 talks about how Jesus says, if if you are aware that, that someone has wronged you, right? If, or, or not even wronged you, if they have something against you, mm-hmm. if you're aware of this, you're presenting, it actually says, if you're presenting your offering as a gift to the altar and you remember right there that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there and go make that right, reconcile there. So yeah. whether that is you've done something wrong or whether they've done something wrong, it's like, what if we all took responsibility and ownership of uh, the part we might play in that and say and and, and approach yeah. and initiate that conversation, again, would just drastically change things for our relationships. It's so, so impactful. Um, you know, the, the other thing, Aubrey, that I thought about, and this is something that we've mentioned quite a bit, but, and we mentioned it on the conversation, is this idea of the the tension between acceptance and approval, mm, right. which, which I think we, we get this wrong corporately a lot of times in organizations, mm-hmm. especially Christian organizations in the church, where we tend to buy into the lie that if we accept certain people, then that means we are approving, you know, carte blanche of their, right. of their actions, you know, and, right. and then we can also get this wrong personally as well, um, where we want to not associate with certain types of people because we might think that by association, by, by associating, we are now lumped into this category of this is what we, have, and yet when I look at the life of Jesus, he... Right he was constantly associating with people that he did not uh, participate in, you know, any of their actions and they were drawn to him. There was something contagious about him that they were drawn to. I think Andy Stanley says it like this. He says, those who were most unlike Jesus, like Jesus the most. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Those who were most unlike Jesus, like Jesus the most. Well, what was that contagious nature of Jesus that drew people into him even when he didn't, mm. of course, I mean, there were times where he said, go and sin no more, right? He called right. out their sin, but how was he able to do that that led them to repentance? Well, it was kindness. It was love. It's God's yeah. kindness that leads us to repentance, not mm. his judgmental gaze. Exactly. Not his like, I'm going to draw this line here and you are not right. allowed to cross it. But you're right. His compassion, his mm-hmm. invitation, his like treating people with dignity and honor, even when, of course, he didn't approve of sin or, right. or didn't approve of certain behaviors. Yeah. It's really, I mean, it's a standard we all need a lot of Holy <sighs> Spirit help to live up to, isn't Big it? Big time. It's such a slippery slope. We can easily find ourselves slipping down into those you know, spaces of judgmentalism and, um, mm. and, and condescension. Uh, and you might, it might be really overt and direct, you know, in your personality, it might be like passive aggressive, you know, but whatever yeah. it is, we've got to be aware of those tendencies for us. The more it seems like the more we grow closer to Jesus in church world, or at least the, the more Christian we become, the more judgmental we become. Mm. Oh, that's so terrible, but I think you're right. Yes. Seems so off because really the closer we come to Jesus, the more compassionate and grace filled we yeah. should be. 
And, you know, mm, Christy and I were talking about this the other day that like, true. there's so, usually we have so much compassion and grace on a non-believer, but the second they become a believer and they are all of a sudden we're like, all of a sudden it's like, okay, now we, we cause them, we call them to adhere to a certain standard when the Holy mm. Spirit has a process for them and he's going to take mm. them. He's, he's faithful to take them on that journey. And so why do we all of a yeah. sudden bring the hammer down to a young believer, an immature believer who's not quite there yet? You know, we have to recognize it's a spectrum. And again, grace is what moves us along that spectrum. Yeah. Embrace grace, as Amy Ford says. It's such a good <laughs> word. Is. Well, we know that a lot of you have pain, specifically church pain. Maybe you've yeah. been a part of a church community that did reject you, or maybe you've hurt other people and you're kind of processing that as well. One of the things that we're deeply passionate about at Nothing Is Wasted is empowering you to partner with God to take back that pain story and really to find God's purpose and God's healing in your pain. And because of that, we have all kinds of resources for you. We have this podcast, obviously, but we also have our Pain to Purpose course, which is available for individuals and churches. We have community groups. We yep. have certified guys, which are folks that have walked through particular pain points, and now they've been prepared, they've been trained, they've been certified to walk you through a healing journey as well. You can find all of the resources that we have available for you at nothingiswasted.com. Yeah, and one of those resources I want to note is your new book, Aubrey, releasing Woo-hoo! September 7th. So make sure you go check that September out. Nothingiswasted.com slash known. Um, for those of you guys who are bad at spelling like me, that's K N O W N known. Okay. Um, nothing is wasted. K N O W N. And um, we want to thank Sleeping at Last for providing all the music for the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. You can download and stream his music anywhere music can be downloaded and streamed. Uh, also, follow us on Instagram at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries, at Davey Blackburn, and at Obsamp, A U B S A M P. Next week, we have a riveting conversation with Dr. William Cook. Uh, this is this is a great one. This one, man, um, very, very, very intellectual and very compassionate. Speaking of compassion, I mean, oozing with compassion and brokenness for yeah. lost and hurting people. And so you're going to want to make sure you stay tuned for next week's episode. Go ahead and listen to a little clip of my conversation with Dr. William Cook. You know, we were trained as physicians um, with that Hippocratic oath, do right. no harm. Um, but that really felt passive to me. It's like, we're going to sit back in our office and wait for people to come to us and then not harm them. Mm. And so I started to realize that, you know, people are being harmed by the circumstances in their life, lifestyles, uh, toxic stress, traumas, right. you know, experiences that they go through. And in order to really do anything significant for a community, um, I wanted to, to change that from do no harm to protect from harm.